0: Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Hello, I'm Mitch Friedman. Host of the Pinocchio Project and welcome. As you can see, I am again not in my uh, regular studio office. Uh, I'm sorry about the late uh, submission. Also, this probably won't air until Wednesday, the tenth, eleventh, twelfth. So, uh, I just want to give you a short installment uh, about my Easter experience, uh, both what I experienced personally and some things I experienced. Uh, be uh, examining a couple other people's experience. Uh, As you remember from our last installment, I talked about how Easter's very special to me uh, because it was the Easter Sunday of 1991 where God ambushed me, uh, totally by surprise, and uh, ushered me into a, a change of thinking, change of ideas about what makes life worth living, how human flourishing happens. And uh basically co-opted my entire life, which is a good thing, because he created the life, and he should have the only say on how it's to be lived. And so that was 1991. and I think in the 23 years, oh, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, the uh, 30 32 years, that's right, 32 years is 2023, if check my map. Uh, 32 years ago and every one of those easters from march 31st of 91 all the way through this past sunday on april 9th uh, i have been in church on each easter sunday to celebrate the resurrection and obviously i love it because the resurrection is the the central point not just in christian theology and uh, christian project completion Uh, But also, it is the dividing line of history, which we talked about last time. Uh, But one of the things I love about celebrating the resurrection is, uh, on Easter Sunday, with all my community, is that it's fairly predictable, which is a good thing. We we predictably say thank you to the God and worship the God, uh, His Son, and His Spirit for completing the redemption project that began all the way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when we took a tragic plunge into disobedience, uh, when we declared our independence. You say, we, I wasn't in the garden. No, but your parents were, and they passed all that uh, spirit of independence and selfishness and sin nature along to each of us. And so I I love that Easter is predictable in the sense of the season is Good Friday when Jesus said, te telestai, it's finished. Uh, The project of redemption has now uh, been Accomplished when Jesus, uh, in a substitutionary way, paid the penalty. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. Uh, he became the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and the sweet sacrifice of God. As Second Corinthians five, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. That's our Good Friday uh, celebration, where Jesus uh, died on the cross at horrible death in my place, and then the exaltation of the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. So that's a predictable uh, format of quote-unquote church programming every Easter Sunday, and I love that. I'm not a very predictable person. I don't don't like routine and ritual much, but on Easter Sunday, I want my groceries delivered pretty much along the same lines every time as I uh, remember Jesus, His death, His resurrection, and anticipate His coming. Oh, I know that when I move outside the green screen, my finger disappears. Uh, I'm not sure you notice that. Uh, But something interesting is happening in American Christianity as we move into this quote-unquote progressive or quote-unquote deconstruction period. Uh, If you haven't read much about uh, Christian deconstructionism or evangelical deconstructionism, I encourage you to do so. Uh, there's there's a lot of good uh, examinations and observations deconstruction is basically a movement that often leads to deconversion and the idea is that there is much to disdain uh, in the church that uh is morally reprehensible that that claims itself to be christian in its formation and its initiative uh And agreed, there are some things that we carry along in our faith package that probably don't have a lot or anything to do with historic Christian orthodoxy. Orthodoxy literally compound word, ortho, right, or straight, or true. Dochaia or doxy is teaching. So orthodoxy is is right teaching. And Christianity has a package of orthodoxy that has been passed down through the centuries uh, from its very earliest days. But in our deconstruction period, we are re-examining uh, in a way that mostly results in gutting historic Christianity of, of most or all of its important tenets, the things that actually make it distinctive and make it Christian. And uh, interestingly, this Easter, which should be about the headwaters of Christian orthodoxy, which is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, uh, I noticed a couple of things that you know were a little bit disconcerting. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the movement of deconstruction and how a lot of Christian celebrities, if you will, that's such an interesting term, uh, Christian celebrities, Jesus said, I came not to be a celebrity, but to serve everybody. I don't need to be a celebrity. Let's put the spotlight on God the Father where it belongs. Uh, but a lot of Christian celebrities who have either burned out or uh, jumped the Kool-Aid of the age that... Uh, demands compliance with the the new sexual morality or immorality, if you will, and demands that the church adopt those same immoral practices. Uh, Many, many Christian uh, celebrities and influencers have left the church after deconstructing, and they leave loud. I mean, they want everybody to know it. It's almost like, how many more followers can I get if I make this provocative and even shocking move and become an ex-evangelical? leave the evangelical and become the ex-evangelical. So, it happens with Christian leaders. It also happens uh, because it's prominent with leadership. It also happens with people who are what I would call just everyday people who call themselves Christians. So, I want to give you two instances, two examples of people that I know that had uh, uh, Easter communication packages for everyone to read. Uh, The first one was a uh, a lady that uh, I walked with her and her husband uh, probably 15 years ago through a very difficult time, and as it turns out, uh, he, her husband, was the difficult time. Uh, he had abdicated his uh, marriage vows. He had abdicated his responsibilities to their two kids, and he would not he would not see the error of his ways at all, and he just basically just took off and left her high and dry. And she's had such a difficult time, and my wife and I have served her, and other friends have served her, She's she's grown really more and more, uh, I would say, uh, disillusioned, uh, if not embittered, uh, with the whole world in general, and it's sad to see, and and disillusioned, embittered toward the church also. So I read a uh, a paragraph or two of her uh, experience at a local church for Easter. And basically what she said was that uh, she left the, the, the service early because uh, the pastor who I know, uh, of the church that I know, that's the church she went to on Easter. The pastor, uh, he stopped preaching and went to Midland. Uh, he started uh, talking about uh, the fact that Jesus paid the price for our sin and our commitment by faith is now to grow into holiness and righteousness and understand what human flourishing looks like and the obedience from a moral perspective required. And unfortunately, uh, this this lady was quote-unquote triggered and quote-unquote harmed. I'm using mostly woke terms uh, because the pastor made reference to the fact that you know one of our areas of obedience is to understand how God made the world and he, how he made his image bearers uh, on purpose with design so that they could fulfill his, his mandates. And in that design is, is, you know, two genders and what we call the binary. You haven't heard, you've never heard binary used so often uh, than you have in the last three to five years. Usually it was a term for mathematics. But he was just reciting what I would call the uh, creation mandate and the cultural mandate where a man and a woman on purpose by design come together and they're fruitful and they multiply and then they they pass healthy generations down by becoming one flesh uh, under god's uh, leadership and so this lady in her post said she was really fine she was enjoying the service uh, until uh the pastor started talking about this 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 reality based binary and the fact that she became upset is that she has two kiddos she has twins and one of them is a, uh, uh, a biological male who identifies as a female, and the other is a daughter who identifies as a lesbian. And as as I look at my experience with that family, I see that they, uh, they have suffered from dad's uh, neglect, abandonment, and his absolute refusal to support them uh, after he left. Uh, and, you know, Dads make a huge difference, and so I watched the the sort of evolution or devolution, if you will, of their family life, uh, and tried to help occasionally when asked, and sometimes when not asked. But but she became embittered when the, when the pastor just mentioned from a historic Christian Orthodoxy perspective that one thing Jesus now has provided for us in the resurrection is the power to live holy lives. And he mentioned he mentioned marriage. As one man and one woman, which she would absolutely agree with, because she suffered the slings and arrows and and torture of a of a, a husband who was absolutely a slug uh, as an image bearer. I keep I keep describing uh, names of things less flattering. Uh, and again, we're all just two choices away from the gutter. But she she would definitely agree from Genesis 1 and 2, that a man and a woman are designed to be there for a lifetime inseparable. And Jesus repeated that from Genesis 2. What God has joined together, uh, since the one flesh thing happens, what God has joined together, no one should put asunder or to tear down. And she would absolutely agree with that, but she absolutely disagreed with that same God from that same section of text in Genesis 1 and 2, when he said there are two distinct genders there is male and there's female so that we can live into this divine purpose and this cultural and creation mandate and so she was harmed and triggered when that was mentioned that you know a a a binary is actual reality because she's living with the reality of her of her kids living outside of god's design uh, for their sexuality and I understand that, uh, but that is deconstruction in a form. What, it, what, what deconstruction means that leads to deconversion most most always is not that I am taking the things that are extra biblical out of my faith toolbox and setting them aside so that I can just have what's true and good and beautiful as far as scriptural authority. Deconstruction typically means that I am taking anything that I disagree with when it comes to the moral Precepts of God's word and how I'm expected to live a holy life. I I I refuse. I am I am I am uh, resistant. I'm reluctant. I'm rebelling against any any suggestion that God has the authority to tell me how I should live my life from a moral perspective. Uh, And so that's two different things. We should always be examining our faith to see what's good, true, and beautiful and needs to be kept because it aligns with scriptural authority. But when I take scriptural authority and dismiss portions of it that are uh, absolutely distasteful to me at this time or place, regardless of the circumstances, as difficult as they may be, then I am wandering from the faith and I'm going into not just a progressive understanding of the gospel, but I'm wandering into another gospel. So that was thing one. That was the lady that I was actually her pastor for many years. And then the second uh, dysfunctional Easter message was from a young man who is now a church leader. He is the pastor of Jubilee Baptist Church in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. His name is Kevin Georges, and I've known Kevin for a long time. Uh, a good friend of mine was Kevin's youth pastor up in the Dallas area, and uh, Kevin came to faith under my friend's ministry, rocket ship, aligned to orthodoxy, uh, got trained for ministry. I went to uh, Duke Divinity School, which may have been uh, the template for his current position. If you think that all seminaries or divinity schools uh, train uh, ministry leaders in the Christian faith in solid orthodoxy and trusting in God's word as ultimate authority you've got another thing coming uh but anyway my friend uh he's my friend he still uh, i don't know how he'd respond i haven't i haven't contacted him on this this package of communication he sent out for easter basically what he did was he put a, a vlog or a tiktok post uh and I'm, I'm not on tiktok but my friend who was is a youth pastor sent me this uh this tiktok post and I'm using these names because it's out there as public domain. I mean, if you put something on Facebook, it's public domain. If you put something on TikTok, public domain. Instagram, the same. But you need to know that this is more and more common. And this is a Baptist church. It's, it's an historic Baptist church uh, that is now growing less historic and more woke, uh, more progressive, and more alternate gospel. But but Kevin's take on the resurrection was not rooted in Jesus paying the the penal substitutionary price for my sin and then proving the payment of that price in the resurrection his take was that Jesus's resurrection now opened up the doors for all types of experimentation over and against traditional understandings of of systems like families systems like marriage uh, institutions, like how cultures flourish best together based on a a nuclear family concept. Uh, basically, what he said was the resurrection from the dead uh, destroyed all the authorities that insist on these these traditional understandings of binary gender and nuclear family. And so we're free, to the church is free, this is made of the church is free to experiment with alternate lifestyles and understandings of how to best do all kinds of things and uh, make all kinds of decisions about how you're gonna live your life uh, morally and what your family looks like and what flourishing looks like without the traditional understandings of the authority of the text and what the text says to us from the moral standpoint. And it's just so interesting that 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 it's often we use we, I'm not I'm not woke, um, pray that I won't get woke. Uh, I'm woke in the right direction, but, but the ch- the, text, the biblical text is just cherry-picked, which means, which means a section is grabbed and pulled out of context for the purpose of building an entire argument that the rest of the text would never agree with, and so uh, Kevin uses the book of Colossians in just a way that is abuse, you know, abuse literally means abnormal use of, and he abnormally uses the text for his own purposes and his purposes are to to violate the creation mandates of Genesis 1 and 2 for the purposes of freeing up the church, freeing up the church to experiment with all kinds of alternate lifestyles and understandings about what these culture-making and uh, flourishing-providing institutions are, like one man and one woman together for a lifetime, developing family life that now is repeated With that same vision and in that in the same book that that he abuses the 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 author writes about these these necessities to stay connected to the original intent design and purpose for image bearers so he pulls pulls a section out builds a theology around it without considering even what that same author to the same church in the same type of content and topic or conversation has to say about the reality of what God's plan is from back in the day, our origin story, and how life is best lived and lead to flourishing. And so these are two interesting takes on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, One from a poor tortured woman who, uh, bless her heart, uh, is just in turmoil and some of that's rooted in a violation of the marriage covenant, or a lot of it is and a violation of what a dad's supposed to provide for his wife as a husband and to his kids as a father. And then the other is, and I would call it a tragic and reprehensible and uh, frightening statement by a church leader. You know, James says to the, to the church in James chapter 1, And not many of us should aspire to be teachers because those of us who are will be held to a stricter krenos or a stricter judgment. So if you purport to hold up the Word of God and open it and teach authoritatively from it, as you interpret it and communicate it, if it's not true to the historic understanding of that text, then you are piling up krenos for yourself. And so I'm afraid for my brother Kevin... And so anyway, I just wanted to uh, celebrate the resurrection and its true headwaters form. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried on the third day, raised to life so that by faith now we are confident in our future and where we are empowered to live a holy, moral, and God-glorifying life. And that is our commission, regardless of the station of life you're in. Stay woke in the right direction, my friends. For The Pinocchio Project, this is Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at PinocchioPod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.